0: and that lets you save care okay. true form life green look
1: welcome to another edition of exploring mind and body as always i'm your host Drew Taddea. All right, thanks so much for being here on this edition of the show. I always appreciate your time to come in and see what we have going on on Exploring Mind and Body. Now today we have Donald Altman coming on for an interview. He's a very interesting man and I love his perspective on emotional clutter. So before we get into that, just a quick word from our sponsor, MAK Mystic Expressions. Now this is a Himalayan salt company that specializes in pink salt. Now personally, I believe transitioning from white refined salt to pink Himalayan salt is a small step we can all take to positively improve our health. So if you head over to makmystic.com, they have number they have a number of products and information to help you better understand how Himalayan salt can better Improve your health, makmystic.com dot All right, so as I was saying, we have Donald Altman coming on, and I love his perspective on clearing emotional clutter. That's what his new book is called, and I'm so grateful to have him on the show. He's going to talk about inner Facebooking, emotional elevator, listening to mind clutter. He's got all kinds of tips to help you let go of that baggage, move on from the past, and clear that emotional clutter. So sit back and enjoy. We got all that coming up. This
0: is Exploring Mind and Body. Naturally improve your lifestyle one show at a time with your host, Drew Taddea.
1: Welcome to another edition of Exploring Mind and Body. You heard all about Donald in the introduction. So without further ado, thanks so much for joining us this morning, Donald.
0: Well, hi, Drew. It's great to be here with you.
1: So today we're talking about clearing emotional clutter, and I'm super excited about this topic because it seems like there's so many so many of us walking around with all this emotional clutter, this baggage, and I think we need to find ways to get rid of that emotional clutter and, and stop weighing us down. Well, the first question I wanna ask you before we get into yourself is why did you decide to write about this particular topic?
0: Mm. You know, this is really an outgrowth of, uh, really an evolution of the work I've been doing. I've been doing a lot of uh, teaching and mindfulness around the United States and, and internationally, actually, and it's really interesting with all this talk about hoarding and so forth, and I realize, you know, I've been working with the emotions and everything, and I realize it's really a form of uh, hoarding in the mind of all the cluttered thoughts that we have, you know, holding on to um, uh, things that... Make it difficult to respond to the here and now, holding on to your past fears, worries, anxiety. So I really wanted to provide tools for people, and that's what this, uh, the Clearing Emotional Clutter book was really focused on, is providing lifestyle tools that people can apply and actually change your, uh, how you're paying attention and how you're using your awareness and that can actually rewire the brain so that's kind of the idea behind the book
1: yeah, it's interesting that you say hoarding in the mind because i think if most of us i would flip on the tv or, or have seen portions of that, the show hoarding most of yeah. us would say i can't believe they do that and then if you if, you know if you look at ourselves or if you could see in our mind many of us would have the same thing going on inside of us
0: Oh, yeah. The brain is filled up like an attic, filled up with old junk and things you don't need or old programming that gets in the way. And so just like those hoarders, are, their houses are so filled up, you really can't even see the walls or anything. I mean, our our minds can get filled up in the same way. I worked with a guy, this is a good example of this, um, but I'm also a psychotherapist. And this one gentleman I worked with had a lot of anxiety uh, cluttering his mind. He had taken a trip to Hawaii, and when he came back, he said, you know, I should have called you. He said, I was sitting on a beautiful sand beach in Hawaii, but I couldn't enjoy myself because my mind was cluttered up with all those thoughts about things I had to do. And isn't that kind of sad, actually, isn't it, that he wasn't able to really experience and savor that beautiful moment right before him?
1: It seems like that's an issue for for many of us. You're doing one thing, and you think about doing something else. Then you're doing something else, and you think about doing the other thing. (laughs) You can't get away from it.
0: Right, and uh, I think we're more distracted than ever before, Drew. And, uh, and, uh, you know, we're we're getting more messages from all different sources. Everybody's trying to grab our attention. And what Clearing Emotional Clutter is, can do is give us back that precious resource, so that we can decide well, how we want to use our uh, our attention, and even our intentionality, so that we can connect with our deeper purpose, and that ultimately is the, a, a wonderful gift. I think that we all can get.
1: Before we get into more of that, Donald, tell me more about yourself. I'm a, I'm interested in your background as a monk, and then psychotherapy. Is that is that how you say it?
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I um I. Became a psychotherapist after I went into the monastery, and I, I actually had uh, wanted to deepen my spiritual path, and I went into a, a Buddhist Theravada monastery, it's the old school of Buddhism. But what was uh, for me, I had always struggled with food, and so emotional eating or mindless eating was actually my pathway into mindfulness. And I um, actually ordained in a monastery with a gentleman, a very, very uh, wonderful uh, Burmese monk. Who had written a book called *The Four Foundations of Mindfulness*, and I was—I didn't know if it was possible for me to actually moderate my food intake and to not eat emotionally. And so it was a combination of wanting to deepen my spiritual path and learn more about my mind, and to break, see if I could break some old patterns. And and food is a very entrenched pattern. And I have written about mindful eating in some of my books, uh, but. When I went to the monastery, I knew I'd have a problem because the monks would get up. We would get up at like 3.30 in the morning, and there'd be chatting and meditation. You'd have a short um, breakfast from 6.30 to 7.00. Then you'd have lunch from 11.00 to 12.00, but in that particular tradition, you wouldn't eat after 12.00 noon. And so I really knew I was going to um, butt up against that uh, resistance in myself, and I didn't know if I, it was possible and right after i ordained i went in with two other monks into the they led us to where we were going to be staying a little room there were three futons on the floor and i sat on one of these futons and um right after the ordination ceremony and here i am in these saffron colored robes they shaved my my hair off and i'm sitting there wondering you know if this was a good decision or not and then i look to my left there's a little shelving unit and on that shelving unit I couldn't believe what I saw. There was a giant Cadbury's chocolate bar. <laughs> and I wanted that chocolate bar so bad in that moment because it would have soothed me from my doubts and my worries. And, but I had just taken a vow not to eat after 12 noon. And my mind went into a war over this chocolate bar. You know, can I take the chocolate bar? No, you just said you can't do it. And, and I had to sit there and be present with all of that. I couldn't distract to do the things we might normally do. And But after, you know, I don't know, about an hour and a half, something really fascinating happened. And it was really the beginning of my journey to understanding how to constructively distance from our thoughts. And but what happened was suddenly I wasn't, no, I wasn't engaged in that war or that battle, that struggle anymore, but I was just simply watching it as if I was, uh, like in a movie theater, just watching a, a movie play out. In front of me and I so there was a safe distance and I in that moment uh, it jolted me but I realized I could I could do both I could honor the part of me that was hungry emotionally hungry and I could uh, also honor and follow my vows if these weren't mutually exclusive in opposition fighting one another but they it's as if my container got larger and I could hold all of that
1: so you were watching the chocolate bar or you were watching yourself watch the chocolate bar
0: I was kind of watching myself watch the chocolate bar. Yeah, <laughs> okay. that's what happened. I, I shifted it that way. That's a good way of putting it. And uh, I do need to mention, I didn't eat the chocolate bar. <laughs>
1: <laughs> good for you. So uh, I have to ask, was the chocolate bar there or was it a hallucination?
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> it was really there. And, and what was so funny about it was that I my first thought when I saw it was, I, 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 mean, I literally thought somebody set me up. That's what I was thinking they, too. <laughs> yeah, as if they knew I was going to sit on this futon. They put the big chocolate bar there. They knew. I, but you know, it was, it was just a perfect thing to happen in that moment that I was forced to confront one of my challenges.
1: All right, so I want to tell you about the Silver Fern Aesthetic and Vein Clinic. Now, they specialize in a few areas. One is skin care. They'll tell you the difference between professional skin care and over-the-counter skin care. This is something that they specialize in as well as offering education to their customers and clients. Mineral makeup is one of their non-toxic type of products. They have no talc, perfume, dyes, alcohol, or anything else that may clog your pores. They also specialize in varicose and spider veins. I actually have had the opportunity to stop in there and they help me better understand who's more likely to get them, how to treat them, and even how to prevent them. And then they also offer detoxing products and services such as their universal contour wrap. They offer a clay solution. This gets rid of toxins, increases your energy levels, and much more. If you want more details, visit their Facebook page at Silver Fern Aesthetic and Vein Clinic. They're also offering free consultations from Dr. Jackson and their other skincare professionals. You can find them in Didsbury, across from the train station, or you can give them a call at 403-335-8829. Tell me what it was like to not eat for that long. So you wouldn't eat from 12 noon, and then what was the next time you wouldn't eat till the next morning?
0: Yeah, the next morning, uh, 6.30 in the morning for breakfast. And you know what's so fascinating was that uh, what I discovered, I really... Surprised me, and maybe it's because I was doing a lot of meditating, but uh, I wasn't hungry. I was shocked, actually. And it wasn't that we weren't doing anything. I mean, monks would also be doing chores and things, and we, you know, there, there were trees that had to be, you know, roots had to be pulled out on the grounds, and different things had to be done. So there was a lot of physical movement. But um, I think we're just having a more concentrated awareness and. Uh, and I started to realize that I would eat food because I was bored or distracted or was feeling an emotion. I wanted, didn't want to feel that emotion, so I'd eat food. And in the monastery, I was able to um, go past that and see through it, actually, and find that, you know, and I understood that a lot of the hunger wasn't real, of course, wasn't real physical hunger, and I didn't need to go do that pattern. So it kind of helped me break that pattern.
1: How long were you in the monastery for?
0: Oh, I was in there for, um, I lived there uh, for a few months. I I went in knowing it would be for a period of time, actually. Uh, I always felt I wanted to do my work out here. And I was very ripe for the experience. I think that's the other thing. If you're really ready for an experience, I I didn't have to be there for years. I mean, I really, I was just ready like a like a ripened apple ready to fall off the tree the timing was really good for me and I had done a lot of other uh, meditation and spiritual readings before that time so I think that had helped and even after I left the monastery I continued to work with the monks and do other um, practices and they kept training me so that was really nice
1: why did you initially decide to go into the monastery
0: you know I went in I um, you know had some uh, difficult and painful Uh, patterns repeating in my life and uh, not just food but other things and it it had come to my attention that I really um, um, wanted to do something about that and yet um, I had it just so happened I and again like you say maybe it wasn't an accident but a friend of mine said there's a monk I'd like you to meet and so I met uh, Uthila Nanda that um, well-known teaching monk from Burma and when I met him uh Drew, I have to tell you I mean it was just an incredible feeling of I could really sense this uh sense of compassion and availability that he had that i hadn't sensed in in <clears throat> other people, and I was really wanting to know how does somebody get to be like that? Is it possible i mean are, are, is it the training that makes somebody like that? <clears throat> the fascinating thing is that i <clears throat> what I learned in getting to know Uthila Nanda was the favorite. Uh, training, favorite thing he liked to do was to teach the loving-kindness meditation, the compassion meditation. So this is something he had been doing his whole life. He was probably in his uh, mid-late 60s at the time. And, uh, you know, there's been research where they've actually put the, the Dalai Lama's monks in, under MRIs. And these are guys people who have done maybe 10,000 hours of compassion meditation training, like Uthi Lananda. And they found that it dramatically changes the brain. It's fascinating. It's is if uh, you know there there is a way the brain is very plastic and it's and we can change it through how we uh, you know focus our attention and the kind of and how we use it and it can be turned into a tool for peace actually I mean it's beautiful to think that that's possible I mean, I grew up in Chicago in a kind of tough neighborhood, and I had never seen people like that on the street corners of chicago <laughs> so it was uh you no know, it was a, it was a beautiful um uh coincidence or maybe not coincidence that I happened to meet him and then I found that I could ordain with him at a time in my life, like I say where it was a, a challenging
1: time. What is it, what is it like inside a monastery? This is something that always interests me. Now I picture you guys sitting around meditating for most of the day. <laughs> is that is that well, any truth There
0: to are that? you know there there are uh, retreat periods where we do more intensive meditating where there's like um, ten hours of like you know you're sitting for an hour then you do an hour walking meditation sitting meditation walk meditation take a break for lunch little time in the afternoons. Of, to rest, and then you start up again. The meditating and the walking meditation. <clears throat> so it can be very intense at times, with up to ten hours or more of meditation. And uh, but then there's also, uh, you know, the, the what I found is that the monks are connected to the community. So this was a Burmese monastery. They were all Burmese monks. It was in the U.S., but there was a Burmese community, so they would do a lot of work for the community. Then people would be coming in, talking to the monks about their personal problems. They didn't, in that uh, culture, they wouldn't go to a psychotherapist. I mean, they would you'd go to the monastery. You'd talk to the monks, and uh, many of them were very intuitive and very helpful, and they'd try to apply some of the ideas of um uh, some of the Buddhist principles of how to live a uh, a good life uh, to whatever that problem was, and use their own clarity and insight. And uh, but there were also, you know, I want to tell people that everybody has the idea sometimes that you know it must be so idyllic in a monastery, but uh, every monk had a personality, and there were there was a monk I could remember who was kind of angry. <laughs> there was another monk who was unhappy wasn't getting enough meditation time it, when we weren't doing the intensive meditation you know the monks have to have chores and you you know you're keeping the grounds clean and doing work outside and inside and sending out mailings to the community and you know not every monk wanted to do that so you're so the nice thing is you're still even, it's not a a cloistered situation where it's so idyllic you have to deal with the you know dealing with people again and you still have to you take a lot of vows under in that tradition there's some 250 vows that you take um not even to sit on a comfortable chair for example or not to read the newspaper or things that i mean there's a lot of more restriction but there's still you're dealing still with uh, living in a community and so there can still arise problems that you have to face. So well, it's funny when I left. And, and then there's noble silence. So um, you really only speak when it's necessary. Otherwise, you don't. When I, I remember when I left the monastery, I tried not to speak for about a week. I was writing little notes. <laughs> and, and, you know. For
1: other people? And,
0: uh, yeah, to other people. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and then speak for and I, It just wasn't working. I finally had to give that up, but. <laughs> uh. People couldn't read your writing or what? <laughs> yeah, that's bad writing too, so that didn't help. <laughs> All
1: right, so I just want to take a moment to tell you about the tire shop here in Olds. Now, to be honest with you, I'm not really a car person. I wouldn't be the first to fix, well, anything. (laughs) So that's why I trust some, a company like the tire shop. When I bring my car in there, I always know that it's going to get quality service. I really love the customer service. It's it's bar none. They treat you like family. And this is a family run business for 40 years. So they're definitely doing something right. And they're not just a tire company. So they do oil, brakes, tune-ups, your battery, wheel, alignment they do all kinds of different things to service your car and now that winter's on the way it's definitely a good time to get your car checked out have someone that you trust and and believe in and to support the community as well as a local tire shop you can reach them at 403-556-7660 or if you want to stop in they're at 5903 imperial way right behind napa all right, so let's get into more of clearing emotional clutter. So the first kind of question I want to get at here is, why do you feel that we have so much emotional clutter? Why is it weighing us down? Why is it there to begin with?
0: I think it's almost unavoidable, right? Because we uh, we have uh, we we grow up in a family, and and there's ancestral clutter. It probably goes back many many generations, and in a in a way, that's uh, something that. Uh, we don't have to be feel like it's a you know ch- we're chained to it or anything like that. We actually begin to break the fetters of that old family clutter. There's also uh, cultural clutter. There's clutter of the daily stresses and overwhelm of life. So I don't think that anybody you know can eliminate all the clutter. But what we can do is in the moment we can kind of untie the knots of it so it doesn't tr- grow into a big giant bundle of clutter that we keep dragging along with us. So. Um, What are some? Yeah.
1: Do you have some tools or suggestions? I'd imagine we'll get into those. But when you say "untie the knots," what do you mean? When you say that?
0: Well, so uh, let's say you're driving on the freeway, and uh, you know this is also uh, a personal example from my own life. And but um, I could easily get triggered when somebody would pull in front of me, cut me off, um, and you know my reactive mind. uh, emotional part of brain could get very angry in that moment and um, so when that happens uh, how can we disengage from it how can we step back from it from that instant clutter and untie the knot of that anger you know for me that was an old pattern and so it was a like a knot that was very tight and so what I would do what I learned to do was that in that moment I could just I could notice the anger I could say, oh, wait, okay, I'm angry here. How, how angry am I? (laughs) And I'd rate it on a one to 10 scale. I said, wow, that one little thing, God cut me off. And here I am at an eight out of 10. Isn't that interesting? So I got curious. I changed my relationship to the anger. And when you do that, you're no longer angry. The emotion becomes the object of your object of your attention. And I untied the knot in that moment. I didn't let it become tighter right and then i would even get curious and say, so where did this not first you know when did i first start getting react to the people cutting me off like that where did that originate from and i would just start inquiring and reflecting thinking about it and that would untie maybe some more knots maybe i wouldn't get an answer right then and that's okay but uh so the idea here is that we can Step back, disengage, almost imagine yourself taking an elevated view. And I do talk about some of these tools in this book, how to do that. But take an elevated view, just seeing yourself on that freeway, right? You're stuck in this traffic, you're angry, you're late for an appointment, and um, or you got to get to work and you've got this, you know, long drive ahead of you. And by elevating your view, you suddenly realize, oh, wait, you know, you might think, oh, I'm not alone here, we're all stuck in this. Or maybe you realize, oh, you know, this traffic's going to move on. This is just temporary. You know, it's going to be over, right? Or whatever that higher view is. That higher view, or maybe that higher view says, oh, you know, that person might be having a problem. That's why they had to cut. They're, you know, they've got struggles getting to them. They can't stand being here either on the freeway. They're trying to get to work. They're late. But whatever it is, uh, untying the knot in that moment means that you're able to pause and look inward and kind of explore, get curious about your reaction to something, and so you're not letting that not get pulled tighter. Now that I've disengaged and looked at it in a new way, I've started to rewire my brain around that old pathway of reacting negatively. So I'm changing how I'm gonna think in the future, how I'm gonna react in the future.
1: The more you train yourself, I suppose it works both ways. So the the more I suppose we're conditioned or trained to get upset instantly when something happens. So we get cut off in traffic. That's a normal, natural reaction to, to get angry and yell and honk our horn. And then we train our brain to do other things like understand compassion or look from their end of the... Now it's easier to do that the more we do that. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, that's correct. Absolutely. We're changing how we're going to react in the future by making the making that change even one time will make it easier for us the next time.
1: So one of the questions I wanted to ask you was listening to mind clutter. Now I love this idea because I think many times we try to avoid it or we push it away. Can you tell us more about how you can actually listen to it?
0: Sure. I think it's important to listen to it. We want to notice the content of what's in the mind. And so, um, uh, listening to it what i like to recommend is that just to sit down for a couple of minutes just notice where your mind goes and to do it the key here is to do it in a very non-judging way to notice that uh scientists have said our minds can have between 25 to 75 thoughts per second drew think about how fast that is now if you take the 25 thoughts per second in the course of a day, that's about 75,000 thoughts. And how many of those thoughts really tell you something profound about yourself? How many are accurate thoughts? Probably not too many. So I want people to start noticing uh, just the nature of those thoughts, and to know that you know we don't have to buy into, we don't have to you know uh, grab onto those thoughts. We don't have to necessarily identify those as as defining who we are they just the nature of the mind is just to create all of these thoughts and, and and even construct stories if we're not working on something the mind just starts spinning in what's called the default mode networks what neuroscientists call it so we don't have to necessarily buy into that and just start to notice it and it's a practice of just sitting for maybe three minutes even you don't have to write it down you can just sit for three minutes just notice where does the mind go I just watch it like this wonderful, incredible show. And uh, that is the first step, I think, to disengaging from it. And then what I would do is when the mind goes off, you can just even give it a name. You can say, oh, that's mind wandering. And they just come back to the breath. And it's a process of bringing your awareness back to the breath, back to the body, noticing when your mind is wandering off. And it doesn't matter what kind of thought you're having. It could be a self-critical thought, you know, a thought when you know, oh, I don't know if I'm doing this right because I keep having thoughts. But we're not trying to stop the mind from thinking. We're just noticing where it's going. And then noticing, oh, that's mind-wandering, you can label it, or you, could, or you could watch it if you're a visual person. Watch the thoughts maybe as a leaf floating past on a river or a stream, or as clouds floating by on the sky, let it go, and return to the body and to the breath. And that's a wonderful way to start to step back, disengage, and uh, constructively distance from those thoughts.
1: All right, Donald, I want to thank you for for coming on the show and being here with us. Before I let you go, can you tell us about where you're at, what you're doing, where we can get a hold of you?
0: Sure, absolutely. I invite people to go to my website, which is mindfulpractices.com. That's M-I-N-D-F-U-L practices.com. And I have a newsletter, my Mindful Living newsletter, which comes out once once a month, and it has uh, some reflections and practices in the mindfulness field, things that you can put to use right immediately to help reduce emotional clutter. And, um, and also with that newsletter, you'll see some of my upcoming events and things that are happening. So I... Uh, I invite you to do that, and um, I want to thank you, too, Drew, for having me on your show. I've, I've enjoyed it, and, uh, and blessings on all the work that you're doing, and, and bless your audience, too.
1: Thanks so much, Donald. It's an absolute pleasure. I appreciate you taking the time to come on and address this subject. I think it's so important, so thanks for coming on and, and sharing some of your knowledge with us.
0: Oh, well, I appreciate it, and I hope people check out Clearing Emotional Clutter.
1: True form life. That's going to wrap things up for this edition of the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for coming in to see what we have going on. Just before I let you go, a quick word from some of our longtime sponsors. We have Health Street here in Olds. They have some of the highest health standards in Canada for their products. You can also find them at HealthStreet.ca. We have Shoppers Drug Mart here in Olds. Been with us from the very beginning, very community-orientated. We so much appreciate their support. You can check them out here in Olds as well. Then we have AG Foods in Didsbury. They're bringing better quality foods, not only to the grocery industry, but to the our community as well. So check out AG Foods in Didsbury. And then we also have... GDK gravel and sand that I'll mention again at the end if you're interested in our monthly membership group all you have to do is head over to trueformlife.com for more details on the main page it'll direct you to what you can find out about our meal plans a grocery shopping list recipes weekly workout schedules with no equipment no gym membership all full body weight exercises and then our private membership group as well and fun fun Contests and giveaways as well. We just did one, and it's so much fun to see food and exercise. So, again, trueformlife.com for more details on that. All these past shows are going up on exploringmindandbody.com. Once again, thank you so much for being here. That's it, that's all I got. I'm out of here. As always, I'm your host, Drew Tadia, in Health and Fitness for a Better World. Thanks for listening.